Hello. It has been a minute. I was looking back at my podcast yesterday and I've taken a little sabbatical that I didn't even necessarily intend to take, but um, I'm not incredibly consistent over here and I've been contemplating whether or not I should be more consistent, but I really just follow like what, um, when I feel inspired to talk about something because otherwise as a generator, it would kind of fall flat if I'm forcing it. So I've been thinking about recording a solitude podcast actually for two or three months, probably because I've been traveling a lot lately where, for those of you who maybe are just tuning in, um, I've been traveling for a few years and a lot of that includes traveling with um, situations where uh, I'm staying with people, you know, sometimes I think the last time I stayed alone for a while was like in August or September, I spent a month alone, but, um, a lot of times I'm staying with family or I'm staying with friends as I'm like going and checking out places. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about solitude as someone who has a lot of need for solitude (laughs) in their life. Um, and I've like almost recorded this podcast, like three or four times. And I just kept waiting and I wasn't sure what I was waiting for. And then my friend Genevieve and I were talking on Marco Polo the other night and I realized, oh, I was waiting to have this conversation with her. Um, And Genevieve has been on the podcast before multiple times. So please welcome her back. Thanks for coming and joining me. Hi, everyone. Hi, Amanda. It's nice to be here. I um, couldn't think of a better person to talk to about this. I mean, we have similarities in our chart as far as like solitude needs go, but also I would consider Genevieve someone who's very good at cultivating solitude in her life and time alone. And also like um, someone who has been exploring, well, I don't know if you would say this, but I feel like for the past several years, you've been really exploring like your openness and like the need to like balance time with people with time separately. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's been a need my whole life, but (laughs) there wasn't a lot of understanding around the need for a long time. So it's been very helpful to explore around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think probably learning, well, I don't know how many years ago that was, maybe four years. I'm terrible at time, but learning that you're a projector and that you're a self-projected projector and that you have all this openness was probably validating to, to your felt experience yeah. and also permission giving. It's been quite revelatory and quite the journey. <laughs> and, you know, I was talking to Genevieve about this like, I don't, I can't think of how many, I, well, I can't think of, I, I can't tell you how many people, like clients over the years, I've prescribed solitude. Like, I've just been like, people who are stuck, people who are lost, people who are confused, people who are not sure what to do next, people who are looking for purpose, which, you know, everybody who's listened to my podcast probably knows my feelings about like our quest for purpose. But, um, just in general, I feel like I've had a lot of clients over the years who um, don't spend time alone, you know, who have families or who live with a partner. And I would just be like, hey, like take a weekend to the Oregon coast and like just have a couple of days of quiet. Um, 
it's really like one of those, you know, when we talk about like basic human needs, I feel like light and movement and hydration and like nourishing food and good sleep and like time alone should be like listed in that for everybody, you know, because we're also overwhelmed and inundated in our lives with information, like so much information. And, you know, I can be someone very much who like hoards information. Like I just like keep, keep the search going. Like I am like looking to remedy something or shift something in my life. And I just kind of like keep reading books about it and keep when really, you know, I recorded a little thing on Scorpio season the other day where I was like, I love that quote, like, the magic that you're looking for is in the work that you're not doing. And I think it's so important because I can very much busy myself with like a lot of other things around the thing that I probably really need, (laughs) which oftentimes is like just to spend time alone and like tune into my own inner guidance rather than grasping at external solutions. Right. That's like me getting ready to meditate every day. I'm like, oh, or I could do this and this and this. Yeah. Every day. (laughs) Exactly. And I think um, there are, like, I think personally, and I'm going to share some astrology and human design because I think it's fun and important to know. That being said, I really do think everyone can benefit from time alone. And, uh, you know, even just basic human design. We talk about sleeping alone because if you don't even sleep alone, sometimes there's like not much time for your body to empty out unless you're like going on walks alone in nature or something where you're intentionally taking time to empty out. Like we're all just taking on a lot of other people's energy. We have way more access to like world news and everything that's going on through social media and, and through like media outlets and, Um, we have these like little devices in our pockets that are just like, you know, like any line I'm standing in at this point, nobody is just standing there with themselves. They're all looking at their phones. Like, it's like, there's no, there's not a lot of space in the world that we live in. And I constantly go out to eat and watch people sitting across from each other on their phones. Like, even then it's just like, we're just so connected all the time. Someone can always reach you on email. Someone can always reach you on your phone. Um, And I have terrible boundaries around this, which we're going to talk about in one of my gates, like my work-life balance as someone who likes to work and is a generator and loves what I do. But like, I'll be like, oh no, I took those days off. And someone around me will be like, well, no, you were answering emails on your phone. (laughs) You were like reading a book about astrology and you were like doing the, you know, it's like, you're always kind of like keyed in. And so I think it's oh, oh, so important. Um, This conversation is oh, so important. Anything to add there before I start talking about some other stuff? Yeah, I mean, in thinking about it and- just kind of this past week has been like solitude week for me. And I think I was, I'm not sure if I'm I'm leaving to travel for the holidays. And so if I know in anticipation of all of that movement, flying and all of that, and being with people for like a week nonstop, I'm, my body is requesting like a 
a, a buildup of solitude <laughs> get some stores going on but um I think I was thinking about it and I think that the conditioning you know thinking about just like the layers of conditioning that how like society and our families condition us our whole lives and that is the way that we get filled up with stuff that's not ours and we need to empty that out but then even like you're saying on like a day-to-day -day of just being around people and filling up with their energy on the day-to-day -day and needing to empty that out it's just like so the the multi-layeredness of the importance of solitude is it's very dramatic yeah well we're also like I mean, it's funny that you're doing like preparatory solitude. Genevieve is a valley's environment. So like flying for her is not grounding, you know, it's, it's like something that she does need to be intentional around. And, um, I love that you're like, I feel like through trial and error, you've kind of learned that you need like to build up your stores <laughs> and then you're going to need to empty them afterwards <laughs> after spending that much intentional time. And as much uh, in the middle as I can, like, eke in there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, I feel it's just a lot, you know. The world right now is just a lot. And we're just so um, always connected. And we need not be, you know. And a lot of times... I think people take, you know, I, like I just said with clients, I'm always like, take a weekend in the mountains and just like clear your head. But it does need to be more intentionally built into our day to day because it is cumulative, you know, and we can't just expect to like, I mean, we can, I want to be careful about this because we can do an incredible amount of support by like taking a week to in a cabin by ourselves to like, that's an incredibly supportive practice. Um, and if we have the capacity and finances and resourcing to do that, that's amazing. But we also really need to be like putting it into the day to day. Like it can't just be like, oh, three times a year, I like take a break. But the rest of the time, I'm like totally connected to people all the time. I like never have time alone. Maybe when I'm in the bathroom and like that, you know, like it has to be a part of our day-to-day -day lives. Um, we just, we went from, you know, if you think about lives 50 years ago, even it was just so drastically different. You know, people would just sit on their porches and watch traffic go by and drink tea. I mean, I'm in the South, so that's what we do in the South. <laughs> <laughs> you'd make yourself a pitcher of sweet tea and you'd sit on your porch and just like watch the birds. People don't do that anymore. We have TV, we have internet, we have, you know, it's just like, there's, there's so much. So I'm really excited that we're talking about this because I just think it's fundamental. Yeah. I do. It's funny. I just wrote, I don't, I don't think I word used the word, I can't remember what word you just used, but I think I wrote cumulative. Like it is something that builds on itself because I realize as I've been practicing it, <clears throat> the more I can do it, you know, here and there, just little bits, like when I'm standing in line and, and things like that, I feel like, you know, it's, it's like 
greasing my neural pathways so that those pathways are easier to access. What like when I do go, I think about, I try to make regular visits to the to the ocean. And when I first started doing that, it would take me a long time to really like drop into that space. Like if it was just a day trip, you know, take like hours and hours of me being there and enjoying it until I was like, oh, okay, I'm like getting in the the flow of this. And if it's a multiple day trip where I'm in solitude, it's really interesting to watch the timeline of how long it takes to really feel like you're dropping in. And it slowly over time, you sink in deeper and deeper. But in giving it attention over these past couple of years and trying to grow my practice of it, it does get easier to like drop into that space much quicker. And it's like any kind of exercise practice, I think you just have to give it attention to build your muscles for it. I love that. Cause oftentimes you hear like, if you're going to go on a vacation, like you really need two weeks because you need like a week for your body to just like unwind and then have time for the regulation and the like processing to happen. But I do think it's true what you're saying that the more you put in the cumulative intentional effort, the more you strengthen that muscle and you can drop in faster, just like anything else, just like meditating or breath work or any practice that you like consistently do, like it becomes easier to drop into that most times, I mean, we're all going to have days where we're like, I can't fucking drop in. Um, <laughs> but most times it becomes easier to like drop into those spaces. So I like that because I think sometimes it feels overwhelming to people if they can't take a two week vacation. It's like, well, like I'm not even going to completely unwind. Um, but the more we do it, like if you took one weekend a month or one weekend a season, and then you like intentionally made those efforts every day to just take 10 minutes where you like shut the world out and just let yourself do nothing. Um, how much easier it would be to connect to that space. So, right. Because it also can be quite uncomfortable, like depending mm -hmm. on what's going on and all of that. And so, you know, there's some... I don't know, I think of it as some level of like, I don't want to say desensitization, but when you're visiting the discomfort little bits at a time over and over, then when you're all of a sudden at this cabin all alone and it's, it becomes very loud, you have a little bit more, you feel a little more prepared maybe to take that on and sit with it and enjoy it. Hopefully it can get to that point. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. I like the desensitization, desensitization, because I think, you know, I've also come across a lot of people in my practice and just in life, like the people you can tell that they like can't be with themselves. You know, there's like a very minimal capacity for quiet, you know, um, and those are the people who need it the most oftentimes are the people who cannot stop who moving, who are just always tuned into something because when they do, it gets incredibly uncomfortable. And um, interestingly, like one of these gates, well, let's talk about it. So like 
one of the gates that Genevieve and I both carry, I think, because I looked at her chart before. Yeah. So there are three gates in human design that I would say. And look, I'm going to talk about some human design and astrology that that might indicate that you need more time alone than than, you know, um, than everyone else. But I, I'm not covering everything. I'm just ripping off some things off the top of my head and um, that I jotted down. And I'm sure I'm going to miss things. But there are three gates that I would consider pretty um, influential as far as people who do need time alone. And one of those gates is gate 33. I actually have all three of these gates. Um, But Genevieve and I both have gate 33, which is a gate in the throat center. And it's called the gate of retreat or the gate of withdrawal or privacy. Um, This energy really needs time alone to process and like know what we know, like it's like, it can be like a real teacher leadership gate sometimes. Um, once we've like taken our experiences and like figured out what we learned from them and how we can apply it to our life and then also share it with how, with others and how it could benefit their life. Um, it's a real, like a pause in between. And the way that you often hear human design talk about it is like a pause in between cycles, but sometimes cycles sounds like, Oh, I'm in this big cycle. And then I'm going into this next big cycle. And that can be true, but sometimes we have smaller cycles and, you know, it can be a pause in between just one thing that you're doing and the next thing that you're doing. Um, the one thing that it's interesting that we were just talking about discomfort because this gate is also an energy that, um, has to learn to sit with their discomfort and not escape it. So I think that a lot of times people with gate 33, um, can help others to do that. You know, it's like we can be comfortable in the silence and in the pauses, which also means sitting with the discomfort of being with ourselves and, um, with our discomfort. Um, without escaping it. And then in our own um, kind of experiential wisdom of that, hopefully help others to do the same. And that doesn't mean that you're like a guide, quote unquote, but that you um, people witness you doing that and observe you doing that. Like I witnessed that Genevieve is a really good holder of her own space and solitude. I also like talk a lot in human design and just in my business about kind of remembering ourselves. And that is this energy. It is an energy of remembering yourself and remembering yourself um, requires being with yourself, you know, without like all the outside noise and static. Um, did you know you had this gate? Um, I didn't. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm sure it's why you're prescribing it a solitude as um, a prescription to a lot of your clients. But I think it's like, you know, we come here and like the greatest gift that we receive is our own life and like our own selves. And so to honor that by giving time, getting to know ourselves and learning about ourselves and understanding and loving ourselves. Like no one else is going to, nothing externally is ever going to be able to 
make such the rich connection as we are with our internal selves. And so, yeah, anything that can like help us get there, I think is like such a precious tool. Yeah, you um, actually have this one in your North Node. So like the direction that you're going and also as part of your only channel, because you only have one channel in human design um, because you're a self-projected projector. So this is like your one channel um, from your North Node to your conscious moon. So it's like, what's interesting to me about this channel for you, because I feel like you do already embody it so much. Like it's like such a record keeper channel. Like it's a channel that like keeps journals and keeps like kind of tabs on what's going on in their life and how they're learning through their life and how they can apply that wisdom in the future. And a lot of times we do like it's something that happens as we get older because we've like gone through all of these experiences, which I feel like you're like very much like on the cusp of that right now. It's like, you've like been gathering. I don't know if you feel it. Well, we've talked about it a little bit, like that you're gathering all this wisdom. You've been like keeping track of it. Kind of, you have like such an experiential, like you're, I feel like a lot of people carry a lot of wisdom in their minds and like knowledge, but I feel like you carry a significant amount of wisdom in your body from your lived experience. Um, and like, you're kind of figuring out how to translate that out into the sharing space. Okay. I guess now that you're saying it, when you were first explaining it, I was like 33. I even just looked over at my phone to look up my chart and I wasn't looking at my graph. I was just looking at the list of numbers. I do know that I have mm -hmm. that one. And now that you're saying you, I just hadn't heard anyone like explain it the way that you first were, but yeah, it does feel, I have been learning about it. And the more that I embody it, it's like making a lot of sense. Um, because yeah, that in the throat channel, that's what I've been like working on a lot, trying to open up. Mm -hmm. I love it. The other two big gates that are associated with solitude, which um, I also have, um, I have gate 40 pretty prominently in my chart um, in multiple places. And gate 40 is literally called the gate of aloneness. So this energy really loves to work, um, but that doesn't mean that they don't require time alone and that they don't need to like bring real intention to work-life balance, which as I said at the beginning is something that I'm really working on. Um, you know, it's hard also, I think, it's a beautiful gift as a generator to like love what you do so much and have it so woven into the fabric of who you are. So sometimes I think I have trouble delineating when I'm working and when I'm doing something for fun, you know, like it's like, I know I'm supposed to be off today, but I want to be reading this book about astrology. <laughs> um, but it means that I'm like, I'm because of what I do and the way that I translate tools for the collective and for clients if I'm reading something that is like in the realm of astrology or human design, or even like I'm reading a book about breath work, or I'm reading a book about, you know, I don't know, like uh, some other book that I'm reading about yoga or abundance or whatever, like my brain is, is never focused on just what I can take from it. My brain is focused on how can I translate this to like support people in the collective? And how can I translate this to like, use it for work with clients. And so 
there is like that element of never turning off, you know? So I have to be like really kind of like set boundaries with myself around that. Um, this gate also, I've had, um, clients that carry this gate or like gates in this kind of, um, ring in the gene keys that feel really challenging because, um, this gate can feel, they can want time alone. They can need time alone, but they can also feel alone even when they're like surrounded by people. Like it's like very much an energy of like, I could be at a party and like feel completely isolated, you know, and I definitely, um, had that experience growing up where I was like, I feel like on my own, even though I'm in like this group of people who are my friends, you know, um, it's also a real individuated quality to this gate, which accounts for some of those feelings. I think it's like a very discerning energy. And many times like the people with this gate will diverge from the herd in some way. Um, but it's also part of the tribal circuit and it's very community oriented and supporting the community. Uh, it just needs time to recover and release and like honor their energy. And it's like a real, when we think about like the parasympathetic nervous system and the idea of rest and digest, like this energy really needs rest and digest time. It's also why I like when I use the Healy, like I'm almost like, my biggest focus oftentimes in any of the work that I'm doing for myself is like work to help my body rest and digest and like drop into the parasympathetic nervous system because, um, because it struggles <laughs> with that <laughs> for other reasons in my chart as well. Um, and then gate 12 is the other one, which is the gate of caution or standstill, also a throat gate. Um, this energy is moody. <laughs> it's a really like it's an individual circuit. Um, it's got a real moody quality to it. It's got a melancholy quality to it. Um, also, like Genevieve is a self-projected projector. So like her authority has to do with like talking things out. And this gate actually carries that energy. Like I gain insight when I talk things through. Um, with my people because I'm like hearing the emotion in my voice and like how I feel about it. It also like helps me process my feelings, you know, cause sometimes things get stuck. And um, when you talk it through, you're like, Oh, that's still in there, you know, <laughs> popping around. I thought I like moved that out, but we still got it. We still got it in there. Um, it's also referred to the gate of standstill because you kind of like step back until you're moved by your strategy and your authority. One thing I love about this gate, if you have it, is that it's really tied to romanticism and creative expression around joys and sorrows of life. So I often talk about this gate as like connected to um, that book by Chogum Trungpa, The Sacred Art, Sacred Path of the Warrior, I think, where he talks about tenderness as, as like a quality of warriorship. Um, because oftentimes we think of, of melancholy or sorrow or like kind of carrying that underlying tenderness as like something being wrong. Um, but there's not, you know, like this is like really an energy that you can think about how you can move that creatively or how you can express that creatively or how, um, it might serve you, um, and there's a lot of prompts in the collective around this gate about like falling in love with life because when you're kind of stuck, um, 
it's got that romantic quality of like finding the beauty in all things and finding um, ways in which you can kind of flirt and fall in love with life again when you're feeling low. And then other things would be like a two line, obviously. Genevieve and I are both two fours. So even when she was talking about um, kind of prepping for the time together, it's like a two four is a very interesting paradox because it's like you have this two line that wants to like pull back and be a hermit and is like very like muse energy and like kind of in your genius and in your rabbit holes of like what excites you and then you have the four line part of you that's like I want to be around people and like I need to be connected to my community and so there really is like a real kind of bouncing back and forth between those things how do you feel like you experience that or do you have anything to say about being a two four um, I think that it was the, um, it provided a lot of <laughs> anxiety in my life for a long time. Just like, I didn't really understand why I felt so just pulled in both directions. Like I would be out in the out external with my people having so much fun doing all the things. And then I was just realized like, oh my goodness that is too much. And then I would go into this extreme, I guess I was like going into my solitude, but because I was so out of balance with it, it turned into isolation. And like, where even though I was doing the, the solitude things that were regenerate, like rejuvenating me and refilling me, I was also doing like not helpful behaviors, like the things that are, can be kind of negative sometimes just because I wasn't in the balance of it. And I think that it took a long time to really understand that, that pendulum swing and that pull and, you know, in coming into more balance with it, it, it was partly like allowing myself the, the solitude time more gracefully, like not because when it, when I go into it before I would feel like, geez, why I feel like weird and everybody thinks it's weird that I'm like, so need alone and don't want to be in contact. And I don't know what they were actually thinking, but that was what was in my head. And now that I can offer more grace to myself with that, it becomes this much more like um, supportive nurturing time so that then when I do go back out, I feel like so full of myself that I'm like being able to show up more authentically as myself and just be in more awareness connection with myself so that when I feel that um, like for time, the four energy expiring, I'm more aware of it and can like go back to the two more like sooner and more easily. That's so good. Um, How do you experience it? Well, similarly, I mean, I, I feel like I went through my whole life being like, am I like an extroverted introvert or like an introverted <laughs> extrovert? Like what was the thing? Because sometimes I, I do, and especially with, with my 12 gate, like it can be pretty extremes. Like I will go from like really needing community and to be around people 
um, to really needing to be like, I need them to go away. And I really need to be by myself. You know, when I talk about even like Genevieve and I know each other because she lived above me at the last place that I lived in Portland. And I lived with my partner then part-time and he was also a two, four. And it really worked for us because we both needed time in solitude. And so he would come for a few days and then he would go for a few days and then he would come for a few days and then he would go for a few days. And I was like, this is genius. <laughs> because the person that I lived with before that in LA, he was a musician and I was acting at the time. And we both like were pretty much home all the time together. And I would be like, I, unless I was out with friends and he was kind of an introvert. And uh, if he wasn't out playing a gig, he was at home and I would be like, don't you want to like go somewhere? <laughs> don't you? Anyway, no, because it's, it's very different. Like having solitude, like out in nature or like going to a hotel or something than it is like having solitude in your space. Like I need solitude in my own space. Um, or I start to to twitch like it's just like things start to go, things start to go haywire if I don't have any time alone in my own space um and so I would feel like that with him so I had to stop going to all of his shows because it was the only time when I would have time at home alone to myself so I do feel like um like I, f I feel it very strongly but the thing that I loved that you said so much and you know why we even get into studying our human design is to be full of ourselves, you know, and how can you be full of yourself if you're always around other people picking up, you know, the whole thing about human design is that we're like picking up each other's auras and we're like literally completing each other and we're like making centers for each other and we're like playing in other people's energy and like, you know, Genevieve has all this openness. So she gets to play in other people's emotions and she gets to play in other people's like splenic center and their root center and like how they deal with stress and how they work and how, but like, how would she even know what her center is if she didn't have time on her own? You know, it's like, we're always being conditioned by the people that we're around. So if we have no time to like come back to our own center and fill up with ourselves. And the more we know ourselves and the more we're full of ourselves, the more we not only know like how to, you know, like you said, how to know when our time out is expiring and like feel into that, but also how to know when, oh, I'm taking on that energy that's not mine. Or, you know, how to know when we're like, picking up ideas that are not ours to, to be, you know, translated or like I grew up conditioned by a, a defined Ajna center. So I thought I was supposed to have really strong opinions and like stick by them, you know, um, how do we ever become full of ourselves without that? And I, I also think like the more full of ourselves we are, the less spongy we are. And Genevieve and I have this conversation a lot because we're both very spongy people. Um, but like the more you fill up with your own essence and your own aura and your own energy, the less likely you are to be porous to other people's stuff. And or you can let it flow over you like the woo-wee water over rock vibe, or you can let it flow through you and it doesn't glom on and get stuck because you know it's not yours 
to process. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's like, you're just explaining my whole experience. <laughs> it feels good. Um, I love, especially that you were talking about it as this ability to play in other people's energies with the openness, because I think I'm like just starting to get a taste of that. And it feels so joyful, like such this, almost like when you, you're a superhero and you get born with your superpower. And for the, at first you're just like, you know, lighting things on fire and stuff because you don't know how to use it. But then once you start to be able to use it, like this magic happens. And I think for the first whole part of my life up until recently, I was just, I didn't know how to clear all the way out and get full of myself. And so I just constantly felt like full of everybody else. And it was such a it was like the literal feeling the not self theme of bitterness. And so I just always felt like people like take from me and like they're, they just like goo their energy all over me. And like, I just didn't, you know, and so now embracing the solitude and learning how to let go of all of that and fill myself up with myself. I do, I realize it is almost like this superpower of being able to get around someone else and be like, oh, I feel that from you. Okay, I'll take that and like dance with it for a second. And then I'll just like give it right back to you. And thanks for the dance. Curtsy. <laughs> it's so <laughs> fun. And I love that it's fun because I always knew something inside of me was like, I love people. I want to be around people. I don't want to have all these negative feelings of like needing to protect myself around people. And it's like, I'm finally being able to like see the key to what, it, how to get there. You know, it feels so good. I love that. Yeah, I think most people, when they find out they have openness or a lot of openness, they're like, Ugh. you know, it's just like, I don't want it. But the reality is like, that's, it's like anything, our openness, retrograde planets in our chart, detriment planets in our chart, fall planets in our chart, like those are our places of sacred wisdom because we, we like go through it and we learn, you know, and, um, it's not just this innate thing, but it also means that we get to have like a wider range of experience or like have like with detriments and falls, for instance, like maybe that planet ex expresses itself uniquely in our chart in a different way than like you would normally see a Venus express itself, whatever quote unquote normal is, you know, um, we get like this much wider, like, spectrum of experience with our openness when we can play. Um, whereas our definition is like kind of this fixed quality that we have that, that operates in a very consistent way. So that's why our open centers actually end up being our profit centers because we go through life and we gain this like experiential wisdom. Hopefully we like decondition ourselves and then kind of like recondition ourselves in the right way, you know? Um, it's almost always the, like, the, like, things that people are like, ugh, that end up being, like, the most magic, you know, <laughs> but Genevieve and I are also both in our 40s, so we've done a lot of, like, um, learning, a lot of learning, M much more learning to go, but still, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, so yeah, obviously someone with a lot of openness would be another person. I mean, even if just like I have an open root center and that is my, that is my Achilles in my chart. I know it is. I'm like very spongy to other people's stress. It's so funny. Like, you know, I have this Healy device that like tells me kind of what's going on in my subconscious. And like, I will constantly get in my scans, like, it is not your responsibility to fix other people's like emotional state. (laughs) Just let them have their experience. Um, Because I have very much a part of me that just like wants to help always and wants to like fix it. And then, and in that desire, which, you know, also sidebar, sometimes people don't want it to be fixed and we just need a witness. Um, I think like the power of witnessing and observing someone's like, funky stuff is as important as like the tools that we find to help. Um, but in my desire to help in whatever way, um, I end up taking on other people's stuff because I'm like trying, I'm like trying to help them process it and hold it. And it's something I really have to constantly step back from and be like, that's not mine. Um, I heard the saying once I didn't sign up for that committee. And I constantly say that in my head, like I didn't sign up for that committee. Like it's not my job to like deal with the situation. I also have a lot of stuff in my chart that's like, wants to control, you know, I'm very Scorpio. And like, I even went to, I was telling the story of my mom today. We went to my aunt's 80th birthday party. I used to do this at auditions even. Like I would walk into a casting audition and I would watch how they were running it. And I would sit there kind of like, if they would just do it this way, it would be like so much better. So I went to, it's like a real problem. It's a real problem. So we went to the 80th birthday party and like my uncle has been planning this 80th birthday party for weeks, you know, trying to surprise my aunt, which is so sweet. Um, And we get there and there's like a sign, a giant balloon sign outside that says happy 80th birthday, but they've got a camera set up inside for like the surprise. And I was like, I'm literally sitting there in my mind and going, like, why do they have this out there? It's going to ruin the surprise. She's going to see the sign and like, she's going to know that something's happening for her. And by the time she gets in the door for the big camera surprise moment, it's going to be ruined. And I'm like sitting there like, don't, it's not, I didn't sign up. I'm, I'm not organizing this event. It's not my job to fix this, you know? Um, But then my cousin's wife sits down and I'm just like, so there's, I noticed there's, I can't help myself. <laughs> I'm like, so I noticed there's like a big ass sign out front that's happy birthday. And she's like, yeah, you know, I gave your cousin the option and he said yes. So we put it out. And I'm like, hmm. And I start, I'm just like seething inside my body. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. I can see actually... your face right now. You look a little rosy. I know. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, so I sat there for like five minutes still being like, dude, really? They're gonna, you know, I'm like having this whole conversation. Finally, I just let it go. Um, and she came in the door and uh, she didn't even see it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> She came in, but she thought we're like there for something else and she didn't even see it. It worked out perfectly. But like, it was hilarious because I was just like in that space of, you know, wanting to fix it. And, um, 
I think like a lot of times our openness can be a place where we're just vulnerable. Well, it is a place where we're vulnerable. Um, So figuring out like where, like we can look at our open centers, you know, they're kind of ranked by like, what is the most influential? Like having an open heart center is one of the harder ones to have open because you really kind of go your whole life feeling like you need to prove your worth um, or like prove that you deserve to be loved or um, in some way prove yourself. Uh, But when someone, you know, can look at that and be like, I know that I'm worthy and uh, I know I deserve love and I love myself, then they've moved through that process. And then they get to like, be an example of that for other people to be conditioned in the right way. Um, but I think we can't do that without time alone, like, because we don't know what's ours and what's not ours unless we're outside of, of other people's auras. So yeah, openness. I think also, you know, we talk a lot about two lines being the hermit. I think six lines also need some solitude, some time to connect to spirit. And mountains environment people are fourth color. So it's also connected to that fourth line, which is interesting um, because the fourth line is such a community oriented, like network oriented line, but mountains environments really need like that. I go away and I get new perspective. I drive to the top of this mountain or I like, um, even just take a a drive through wherever it doesn't have to be like gaining elevation, but in like getting it's either they need to gain elevation to get, to gain a new perspective, or they just need to get away, um, from the group to gain new perspective. Um, so I think, you know, especially as like kids, a lot of mountain kids might like disappear to their rooms and they need that. It's like their time to recalibrate. Hmm. But you just saying that makes me wonder, I was thinking before we got on this call together about, I'm just so curious how everyone experiences solitude and like the things about it that are important to different people because I I mean I know how I experience it but I'm sure there's just so many like infinite ways that it's um useful and and helpful because when I was trying to think about it I was like it really means like stillness and quiet for me like those are very important elements like sometimes I will be alone for the day and I'll think like, oh, I'm going to ride my bike or I'm going to do this. And it it involves like action and doing something, even though like as a fun thing alone. And then I'll start going and I realize like, oh, I need to just like lay down on the grass and stare at like a one inch square spot of for hours. And it's like, the more that I need it, the more sort of like focused and small the thing I need to do is. But um, like, I wonder what is solitude to you or like, what are the aspects of solitude that really call to you and like invite you in? I think similarly, the more I need it, the more I need it to be like, I'm in a room where I'm in nature and I'm like, 
being very quiet and still and very like, like, I think a lot of times we talk about, you know, meditation or something and we don't account for like other things that people do that are very meditative. Like somebody might sit in on their porch and crochet and that's like very meditative to them or um somebody might go hit golf balls by themselves and that's very meditative to them or gardening or whatever it is you know there can be lots of ways that that expresses for each of us and i think for me it does it is a lot like having my own space which is hard as someone who's been traveling for what seems like forever. <laughs> One day I'm going to figure out where I'm going to live, guys. One day. Um, because, you know, and I'm I'm back staying with family through the holidays and I had to like completely like reorganize the room because I was like losing my mind because I'm a markets environment. And if it's not like set up specifically how I need it, I start to like twitch. Um, but uh <laughs> But it's also like walks. I, I do a lot of like solo walking. That's like very much how I get my solitude. Um, I talked about, I guess on Instagram, maybe how um, I had not planned to stay in LA for four months. I planned to like go for a month or so. And by the time my body was like, it is time to go. It was partially like I needed to get on the road. Like there is very much something in me that like an open road is very mm -hmm. healing. Like it's just me and you're kind of in that liminal space between spaces, you know, between where you are and where you're going. And it just feels very, um, very nourishing. Um, but a lot of it is literally just like, I, I definitely need time to meditate every day and I need it to be alone. I need time in the mornings, especially where I'm like quiet with myself before I'm with other people. Um, yeah. And walking is a big one. I like that. I like the open road feeling because I think something important that like this magical alchemic thing that happens with solitude for me and my experience is that it allows for expansion so the open road like really uh, almost like feel that in my body like yeah because of how you're talking about how we're constantly inundated with uh, information and stimulation for me that creates like restriction a little bit like i feel like in order to be full of myself, I have to like have these barriers and like only allow so much in and like push up against it to stay like protected, like not allow it in. And then when I'm in solitude and don't have all of those stimulation things coming in, I like breathe, you know, and there's the expansion. And that is just like, I feel like in our world today, more and more important to specifically seek out and like find the places for that. Yeah. You can stop. You can start to forget that there is a different way to feel. You don't have to feel so <laughs> tight and closed in and suffocating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 
Totally. I also think like, even when I was living alone, um, I would take little trips. Like when I was living in Portland, I would go to Southwestern a lot, which is like this little cute airstream kitschy hipster vibe hasn't does anyone even say hipster anymore but like that's the quality that I'm give to it um on the coast of Oregon um like they would have like you know a VCR in your trailer and they had like a little video library and they had records and you get a record player and some of the cabins had like clawfoot tubs and you could walk to the ocean and sometimes there would be like live music. So it wasn't that I was going to a cabin in the woods to total isolation, which I've done that too. Um, but I was like in my own experience and there is like a difference. Like I think a lot of what we're speaking about today is like total solitude, like actually having time where you are physically alone um, but I also think, you know, I was talking to Genevieve yesterday, like I started doing artist dates again, because I've been feeling like, well, I said to Genevieve yesterday that I also wanted to make sure to touch on kind of the like opposite of the need for solitude, which is like sometimes the need to push, to push through resistance. And I've been having resistance. Like, I think I because I've spent so much time in a row of like staying with people. Um, it's hard for me to not have my, my own, own, when I say my own, own space, I mean, my own home, <laughs> not my own room. Like I'm someone who needs like time in a full space that is my own. Um, and because I haven't had that in so long, I've been feeling the need for a lot of like alone time and when I can get it. And um, I'm also like, I have a progressed Scorpio moon right now and I'm in a balsamic moon phase, which is a very retreat E energy. But I was saying to Genevieve that like, one of the things I have to be careful of is like not going too far into the hermitness because I can very easily do that and get comfortable in that space and then like not push myself out. And so, um, I started going on artist dates again this week because I was like, you need to like like revive my flirtation with life, you know, like I can get there. Like I love to work and I love everything I'm studying. So I can be like just buried in a pile of books and be like so content, you know? Um, but my four line does need community. And as someone who's been traveling for three years, mostly on my own with like dips in with people, um, it's important for me to connect. And I think, a lot of times in human design, we hear things like, just follow what lights you up. Like, just eat what lights you up. Just do do what lights you up. Like, if that doesn't light you up, don't do it. Well, it doesn't really account for um, someone who's in, like, total burnout, you know, or someone who's really depressed or, like, in a state of inertia or has gone, like, too far down the rabbit hole and needs to, like, pop themselves back out a little bit. Um, because even if let's say you're a generator and you work a job that you loathe um, and you can't get out of it yet and you're completely burnt out and you have no energy when you get home, you still want to try to dedicate time every day to something that you love that like brings you joy because that is giving you life force energy. Like there was a time when I moved to Portland when I worked four jobs plus trying to build my business. I was exhausted. I did not want to be doing what I was doing. Um, and 
I would come home and try to sit down and spend 20 minutes doing something that like let me up. That was how I pulled myself out of it. If I had just like done the jobs that I hated and like kept trudging along and not given myself time to like feed that part of myself, it would have been really problematic. So I think I want to not have this conversation without touching on the fact that like sometimes we can pull too far back into that energy and we need to like push ourselves a little bit um, into the world. Have you had that experience of coming too, too, too back, too back? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Too way back there. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I mean, I'm always trying to figure out the balance with discipline and, and motivation. I definitely gravitate more towards the inertia, stillness side of things. So um, it's been a long, like, journey of investigating that for myself because, you know, kind of like a, a societal theme can be like, just do it, like, go do it, get get out there and like, you can do it. And I'm sometimes I'm just like, I but that really doesn't feel good. Like I, I realized the need for the motivation and to do it. And so for me, what works, I realized I'm just not like a, I'm not like a cold turkey person when it comes to trying to stop doing the things that I don't want to be doing. And I'm not like a, we'll just jump into it and go full force to get to the things you want to be doing. I'm just like a little baby step person and it works really well for me. And so sometimes with things like that, I, um, I'll be like, okay, I'm not going to necessarily go from my solitude to like a party where there's going to be a thousand people or something, but I will just like, instead of sit in my room, I will go sit on the curb and like watch people go by. So I kind of get slowly back into the people energy and I mean, that's something I just love to do anyway, is be around a bunch of people, but not really interacting with people. But it definitely helps kind of like, um, maybe it's the like playing in other people's energy. It's like, I'm not necessarily being specifically called out by any one person in my group or anything, but I'm going and setting myself next to where I want to go so that it can like slowly draw me in. And sometimes that's all I have the the motivation or the capacity before, but if I can just do it little steps like that at a time, it can really help get me over to the other side. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, baby steps are important. And I think like really um, powerful just in the sense that I feel like we live in a society that very much advocates for like, big leaps, you know, big change, big transformation. Like you're going to do this in three, 30 days and it's going to be amazing. And there are some things that would like, you know, it takes 30 or 40 days to like change a habit, those kinds of things. But um, it really is not the oftentimes like the huge swings that we take, but like the little cumulative baby steps that we take every day that like move us in the right direction. Um, So I think that's really important. 
Um, okay. what, the, what the solitude is for you, you know, because we can all talk about it like it's this thing or that thing. And then, you know, but it's really, I think, just finding what it is for you. Like I was saying this week, I'm trying to kind of store up my solitude time. And I'm not just like sitting in my room, not interacting. I'm still going out and going to the store. And I've even gone to like a women's circle group and I've been social, but I'm sort of trying to hold this undercurrent that I take with me everywhere of like, okay, I'm going to do that. But then intentionally like make sure I come back and really empty out and fill back up. And, and so that's still, I feel like I'm in solitude in a way, even though I am out and doing things and that has helped me to kind of like come into balance with the whole kind of two, four in and out thing is like, oh, I can kind of hold both if I need to you know yeah yeah I love it um okay so just to go back and touch on some astrological placements that might indicate that you require a little more solitude would be um if you have a lot of inner planets or personal planets in the 12th house or the fourth house or the eighth house which actually neither of us do like i have i have um some outer planets but not any inner planets and we don't have an abundance um a lot of personal planets in water signs um especially I mean, Pisces can be like more sensitive, but I really think water signs in general. Um, I have a lot of water placements, but I have a pretty balanced chart element elementally, um, except I don't have a lot of air. I was actually surprised by how much air you have when I was looking at your chart. Um, but yours is pretty like rounded as well. Um, but Pisces can just like sponge up a lot of feels and they're sensitive and they're intuitive. So it kind of like is similar to that, like the water signs in general, I feel like are similar to um, the need to empty out um, and like also process your own feels, which can be quite a lot, you know? Um, if you had Saturn conjunct your sun, moon or ascendant, there might be like needed time to like pull back and process similar to the gate that we talked about. If you had Neptune conjunct your sun, moon or ascendant, you might be like more spongy and need time to empty out. If you have South node conjunct your sun, moon or ascendant, which Genevieve does. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. <clears throat> if you have strong Virgo placements, uh, you can need a hot time alone to recharge and, um, Capricorn and Aquarius folks can both enjoy like time with themselves. And I think, you know, I talk about this a lot, but like we often focus on like our sun placements, but your moon is really about what you need. So like looking at your moon for what you need might indicate that you need, especially if you had a moon in one of these signs I talked about or like conjunct Saturn or Neptune or, um, like a moon in Taurus might need like more, more alone time to like practice self-care, like things like that. Um, so for me, a couple things outside of the gates would be um, I have all of my planets in my chart below the horizon, except for one. Um, so that's pretty 
potent that I'm like have a lot. I'm having an internal journey here on planet Earth. Um, my moon is my only. My moon rules my chart because I'm Cancer rising, but my moon is my only. Well, rules my chart in some astrology views. Um, but it's my only planet up there, hanging out with Chiron. Um, like I said, I have all of the gates of um of aloneness or solitude needs. And I have them like pretty prominently, like even 33, the one we talked about that we both have, I have it in my unconscious son. So it's like about how I stay well. Um, and gate 12 is in a couple of pretty um, potent placements as well, but it's also like it's in my unconscious Mars. So our unconscious Mars gate and human design is tied to our vocation and also tied to our core wound. Um, but Mars is also about insight into how my energy operates and how I deal with life. So to have a gate like that in Mars is, is, um, influential. Um, interestingly, uh, Genevieve doesn't have gate 12, but she has 22 on the other side. So that's a channel that we make together and, um, bridges my split, which is why I'm drawn to Genevieve. So, you know, we're not doing a podcast on relationship charts, but relationship charts are more than just about like our romantic partners. They're about people we are drawn to for business and people that we're drawn to for friendships. And it's not surprising that Genevieve and I came together because she is a single definition, but she bridges my split. Um, and we create that channel together, which I thought was cool. I never looked at that before. Um, and I'm a two, four, which I talked about and I have a Scorpio stellium and I'm a cancer rising and I'm in a balsamic moon phase. So lots and lots of solitude needs over here. And then, as I said, Genevieve, um, has that channel is also a two, four is a projector with a lot of openness. And then the one thing that we hadn't talked about yet is that Genevieve's moon is an Aquarius conjunct her South node, which even though Aquarius loves people, um, and Genevieve loves like observing the dynamics of people. We talk about this a lot. <laughs> like <laughs> Genevieve loves people. Um, but she also has a bed a bed, a spider just like dropped down from the ceiling fan onto my bed while I'm talking about doing this podcast. I feel like that's a good sign as long as she yeah. stays over there. <laughs> um, uh, but um, you also like really love your independence and you love exploring on your own, which is a very Aquarius vibe. And like, I think I've even heard you talk about like when you've tried to plan things with other people and it's like, you really just want to be able to do it the way you want to do it without having to like worry about what other people's specifications are. And that's such a like Aquarius thing. You know, you love to be around people, but you can also just like do your own thing and be spontaneous along your own path without having to like account for the needs of others, you know? Yeah. That drives a lot of my action out in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then conjunct your south node, it can be like a sensitive energy and one that requires like time alone for introspection. So it can have a little bit of those familiar feelings that I spoke about with gate 40. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, even though these are like um, signposts in our charts, we all need more time alone. Um, 
to just empty out, to just fill. Well, the interesting thing you keep saying, which I think is really important is like having time alone to empty out and to fill yourself up. What does that look like? Like, I know you said, I know Genevieve can lay in the park with the best of them. Um, (laughs) I know like the earth is like a big part of your connection to emptying out, but like, what does filling up with yourself look like? Um, I think it is being able to, I think it's a lot of things and I'm still learning about it, but I think it is, I was very elemental based. Like if I can be with the elements, I just feel so much more myself. Like I literally, you know, will sit there and be like, oh, I am the moon. And then I feel the moon energy coming into me. I'm like, okay, thanks for like filling me back up, you know, that kind of thing. But also the, um, the things that bring me joy, like do I'm, I'm having this pretty profound realization that um, making art is like what fills me up. And now that I've realized that and engage in it more and more, I feel like, um, yeah, just, I don't know if it's like changing the, the vibration. And I feel like the vibration that I am now in is like, you know, like it makes me feel like I'm humming in harmony with everything. It's like quite profound, but um, I think that is a big part of it. And so sometimes the solitude needs to be in stillness. And those moments for me are also, I'm like a a processor. Like I need to go out and see the world and, and take in information and then go internal and process it. For some reason, I don't know what that's doing for me or the world, but it's very much a part of my like day to day. And I can't do that when I'm having stimulus or noise and I have to be in solitude to do that. And so when I can do it and like have my whole mental process around it and stuff, I just feel so much more um, like peaceful brings me peace to be able to integrate what's going on around me. So I feel like I'm having my fullest experience possible. Mm. Yeah, I feel, I mean, I think, you know, when we talk about, we've talked about a lot of benefits of solitude, like emptying out. And I think time for processing and reflecting and integrating is like a big part of time alone um, coming back to your own center, um, time to like feel your feelings. You know, most of the time when we're out in the world and we feel something, we like swallow it or stuff it down. Cause it feels like, um, improper <laughs> to like yell at someone or start sobbing or whatever it is, you know? And so if we keep just stuffing those things down all day, but we don't actually spend time at the end of the day or even just once a week, like checking back in and being like, how did I feel? And can I move through this thing that I like ate down instead of let out, you know? Um, Which I do think like a lot of times people get solitude in their cars. um, If that's the only place maybe while they're driving to work Um, and then you fill it with a podcast or like more information coming into your brain instead of like, 
having quiet time or having like time to think through things or even just singing, which is a way to empty out, like doing something, you know, I noticed like when I've gone through phases where I've not listening to music as much and I'm listening to podcasts and I've gotten into a space where I'm just like filling my brain with information and I'm not having that time because for me, time in the car. And I think that's part of why getting on the road is so powerful for me. It's like, I'm singing the whole time. I will primal scream until I'm almost hoarse. Like it's a processing time for me. I'm like on my own. And as someone who's been traveling, it's like one of the only places that I'm like really alone, alone, even though, well, at least when I'm like out driving, you know, in New Mexico in the middle of nowhere, there's not many people around. I'm not like in traffic in LA, which is not the same experience. Um, but, uh, I also think it's interesting. Like I picked back up, I probably read the artist way in my early twenties, living in LA as an actor and someone working in film and, Everybody was reading it. It was like all the things everybody was doing the artist way. It was like, you know, and I kind of forgot about, I've, I think I've done it like two or three times over the course of my twenties. And then probably for like a decade, I just forgot that it existed. And I didn't know that she'd gone on to write all these other books. And so a friend of mine was reading one of her other books um, a couple weeks ago. And I was like, it like hit something in me. Because as someone who has also a lot of Virgo placements, like I need structure when I'm trying to make changes. Um, and as a Scorpio, I have like the, a lot of extremeness in my chart. So if I'm trying to like make a change in my life, it's good for me to like set up a structure for it to exist within or like I'm doing something for 40 days or I'm doing, you know, um, because otherwise I can even with my defined will center, I can just fall off and not kind of, kind of swing the pendulum. And so I had been thinking about the idea of artist dates again for months. Like, oh, I need to take myself to a museum. I need to take, but I was like not doing it. So I was like, I'm going to get this fucking book and this book is going to make me do it. You know, <laughs> I'm going to read the book. It's going to set up a structure. I'm doing like a six week plan. I'm going to get back into it, which is exactly what I did because I know myself and that's what I need. <laughs> um, but the three main tools that she has are really a lot of what we're talking about today, like the three main tools. And she added one. So it used to just be morning pages, I think, unless I'm remembering it wrong. But from what I remember, the artist way was morning pages and artist dates. And then, you know, you had like other stuff within the journey. And now she's added walking as a third, um, mm -hmm. as a third, like major tool that you do over the course of the journey. So you have morning pages, which is another thing that I have trouble. I can't tell you how many people I've told to journal, but like I have trouble sticking with it myself. And I know that I need it um, because of like my own mind stuff in my chart and because of my Virgo stuff, like it's a really good tool for me. Um, so I started back with my morning pages, which is a time in the morning when you're completely alone. It's like in the 45 minutes before you've like engaged, like when you've woken up and you're kind of still in that liminal space between the unconscious and the conscious. So that's a beautiful tool for solitude to like get up every morning, schedule yourself. And I've given this to clients that it's changed their life because they really start to understand what they need. They get, it gives them a chance to like empty the stuff out of the brain, you know? Um, the other tool artist dates is kind of the like, so I would consider, you know, 
the morning pages and walking as like two emptying out practices that are done in solitude, that are just you, that are like you with your thoughts and you moving through. And then the artist date is kind of like what you were talking about with like filling yourself back up because it's like, then you're picking something that is like kind of for your inner child, like for that part of you that like gets excited about the thing. Like, um, like I was making a list the other day of like things that I get excited about what I wanted to do and like things that I could find to do around that stuff. And, you know, sometimes it's like taking yourself to a nice dinner and reading a book as an artist date. But a lot of times it could be, you know, yesterday I went to the Botanic Gardens or it could be going to a museum or a live music show or something that fills you up. Um, even though, and even though that practice is taking place in public, it's just you doing it. Like you're not allowed to take anybody with you. So there is at least an element of kind of like what you were talking about. Like I'm having this period of solitude. I'm kind of carrying that energy with me, you know, like you're going out to like really be in your own energy, which would mean not being on your phone the whole time or at all, but like actually engaging with the activity and like being present. Um, so it's interesting that I picked one of those books back up while we're having this conversation because I feel like those tools are like perfect in a lot of ways. Um, maybe not for everybody, but like really good practices in addition to like meditating and um, spending time in nature and sleeping alone sometimes. Um and also like making time to do like literally nothing because I think we like, you know, part of it is just that we fill everything up with like multitasking. Um, so like literally allowing yourself to just like go sit in a park and watch the birds or the way that the light moves through the trees or feel the breeze on your face or but like not do a meditation, not listen to music, not just be like, we just don't have very much time to just be, you know? Yeah. I remember, um, I don't know if you recorded a video on Instagram or, or something, but it was, you were in a hotel and you had to go do something, but you had a few minutes before that thing started. And you were like, I thought about doing this and this, but then I decided to just, sit here and be and do nothing and like as soon as I as you said it I was like this sigh it just released in my body like for you and for the world like oh yeah let's do that <laughs> I think yes. it's so yeah it's so important yeah well do you have anything you want to add that we maybe didn't say I don't. That was so, so much goodness. And I love having these conversations with you because it's, you know, all of these topics are so interesting to me and I feel like important. And I love that I get to learn so much about you, like learning about your charts and it feels so good. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for coming.